0: Hi, everyone. How's it going? Welcome to the Creator Spotlight podcast, a series within the Castos audience podcast where we interview podcasters about their experiences starting, growing, or monetizing a podcast to share helpful information in an effort to help others do the same. My name is Sam Chlebowski, host of the Creator Spotlight series and head of growth at Castos. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Chris Desmond, creator and host of the Art of Healthcare podcast, as well as a physical therapist. I'm thrilled to have Chris with us today to to talk about his show, the state of healthcare, and discuss strategies for producing a podcast, as well as opening up monetization strategies by creating a membership site that accompanies a podcast. Chris, how is it going? I'm good. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so
1: much for inviting me to come on the show today.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we were talking just before the show, uh, you are located in New Zealand. Is that correct? I am. I'm based
1: in Wellington, New Zealand. So it is actually tomorrow here.
0: Yeah, the time change going all the way to New Zealand is so interesting for me just because, yeah, it's a whole day in advance. So, you know, I, I understand it's a little bit earlier there. And That actually brings up a really great point, because when we were talking about the podcast, you mentioned that this is actually kind of like your time to record. Yeah, I I tend
1: to. So it's five o'clock in the morning here in New Zealand, or 10 past five now, because we've just been chatting around a little bit. So I've got two wee kids. I've got a three-year-old and 11-month-old, and that kind of variable in the time that they wake up and the time that they go to sleep, they like to get up pretty early. But five o'clock is usually quite safe for me, so I'll, I'll get up and record at five o'clock a couple of mornings a week. Um, and some mornings I'll get up and go to the gym at five o'clock, or otherwise my recording time frames kind of from half past eight to half past ten at night, and that usually gives me a reasonable window where I'm pretty sure the kids will be asleep, because when both of them are awake and screaming, it's a little bit relentless.
0: Yeah, and I could certainly understand. I think that that's a great strategy, too, for other podcasters out there just getting going. You know, you can always sort of veer off from, you know, the time that you set up. But I think grounding yourself and setting a recording time where you know that things are going to be relatively calm, I think is a great strategy because it helps helps you really focus on the content that you're putting out. And I honestly think helps you stay consistent, too. I like to record my podcast right around this time. 11 o'clock here in Colorado most mornings because I find that that's when I am fully awake. You know, I've had a couple cups of coffee and I'm ready to go. But I think that that's, you know, something that can be really helpful for new content creators out there is, you know, finding that time where, you know, you can have that peace and really, you know, focus on the work that you are putting out. Definitely, mate. And
1: previously, I hadn't done that. I had just kind of, recorded whenever worked for the other person and and i'll still do that occasionally but with where my life is at at the moment it's about trying to make things as easy as possible for me so i just use uh, usually a calendly booking link and fill it out with hey here's a slot that i can record here's another slot that i can record and send it to someone and say hey hopefully some of these fit if they don't just get back in touch with me and uh, we can do a bit of negotiation around it, but it just makes my life so much easier.
0: Yeah. And I love Calendly as a tool. That was something that I had started using at a previous role back in 2016 for scheduling appointments with sales prospects. And I think for podcasters having, you know, Calendly or another scheduling tool in place is really wonderful because it helps you meet guests, you know, at, the time that they can record, as well as blocks off, you know, certain times in your schedule. So you know that you're going to be available, you know that you're going to be ready to record. So I think that that's a great tip. If you're not using a calendar software to schedule, I'd recommend trying it out. It also like is a really good thing for just making sure that you're cutting down on some of those back and forth emails that can come up, especially if you're coordinating like across time zones is you know, something really, really powerful and a, a great thing for streamlining your podcast.
1: And you can also capture a little bit of information there as well with it by asking the right questions so that you get a bit of background on your guest before they, they come on your show and before they talk to you. Hopefully you've done some prep work already, but I find that if I ask someone questions like, "How do you like to be introduced?" what are the things that you are excited to talk about here today as well as uh, that again saves me a little bit of time and hopefully allows me to connect with them a little bit
0: faster. Yeah, that is something that I do with my episode scheduling as well, you know asking just a couple clarifying questions, so I can do some additional research that might not you know I might not know about just by you know viewing somebody's website or looking at their podcast feed on like Spotify or Apple. So I also love that suggestion. I think that's another really great one for the listeners out there. So Chris, I was really excited to talk to you today. I am from a healthcare sort of based family. My dad is a family practice physician here in the States. And my new wife, actually, just got married this past week, is a nurse herself. So when I saw your work that you were putting out, I was really, really interested in it because I've seen, you know, some of the things firsthand that you talk about in the show. And I was really excited to learn more about your take, especially, you know, seeing how healthcare operates in another country. So, with that, I'd like to get a little bit into you know your background. So, would you maybe share a little bit about why you started a podcast? Is this your first podcast? And talk a little bit about how that relates to your work? I think would be really interesting for us to dive into. Sure, thanks, Sam. And firstly, mate, congratulations on
1: on getting married. You didn't drop that in in the pre-chat uh, when <laughs> we were talking last week. So, yeah, massive congrats on that. It's a, it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah, it was a super exciting time, and uh, yeah, I think I finally like come back down to where you know I have you know not so many things floating around in my head, and uh, it's uh, really really excited to really exciting time for us. But uh, I'm also excited to talk to you today here. So it's kind of like a honeymoon, then, isn't it? Our conversation here today, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely like my w- sort of work honeymoon. I'm excited to get back into the swing of things. You know, I love what I do it here at Castos. And yeah, this episode is a great way to kind of kick back or kick off my assimilation back into what I'm doing here and the work that we're doing at Castos. So
1: Good, good. All right. I've taken us massively off track there. So back to the question. So my my professional background is a, is a physical therapist or a physiotherapist, as we say here in, in New Zealand. I've been a physiotherapist for just about 15 years now, 15 years and a couple of months, and have had the chance to work across both uh, the public healthcare system here in New Zealand. So we have a government-funded system as well as the private healthcare system here in New Zealand as well. So in a a private clinic, which treats predominantly musculoskeletal injuries. So I've I've been lucky enough to work with patients from right from when they were born. So the pediatric patients all the way through to to end-of-life care. So the older adults, um, the cancer wards, and basically everything in between. And most recently, I've been working with people that have persistent pain problems. So people where their injury probably doesn't track the way that we would hope it would, and they end up with chronic pain, which is a, a bit of an epidemic here and here in New Zealand. Um, and I understand also in the in the United States as well, um, associated with a lot of other challenges for that person other than just pain. And so the Art of Healthcare podcast kind of came about over a period of time. And I'll give a bit of backstory first. Um, This isn't my first podcast. I've been podcasting for probably about four or five years now. So I started off with another show called Uncomfortable is Okay, which was around looking at the the science, the stories, and the strategies of how we get out of our comfort zone and live an exciting life. And, And it initially started out as a show that was about trying to figure out, okay, how do we do life better? How do I get better at getting uncomfortable so I can go and do the awesome stuff? But actually, it turned into a podcast that was not just about that. It was actually, how do I deal with all the uncomfortable stuff that life throws at me as well? So it, it kind of morphed into a into a bit of mental health, mental wellness podcast. And I recorded about 295 episodes of that before my my second son was born. And then I put it on hiatus because it just got a little bit too challenging. At some point, I'll pick it up again, I think. But I don't know that it'll be in the same format as, as what it was in.
0: And I think that that is amazing too, because on the surface, you know, uncomfortable is okay. And looking at that work, it's on the surface not really a healthcare podcast until you kind of take a step back and look at it. And, you know, you can see at least, you know, my belief from talking to, you know, my family members and friends in the healthcare industry and them sharing their stories with me is that so much of our lives sort of can dictate our health you know if you're you know if you have stress if you have anxiety things like this all of these things sort of tie together and you know i could see how that shift sort of happened where you know it started as sort of one topic and then evolved to something else where you're talking about you know mental wellness and mental health i see that sort of natural evolution it makes a lot of sense to me and it Really, really powerful work from, you know, the uh, couple of episodes that I've listened to. Thank you, mate. And I think it, it was really beneficial for me as
1: a healthcare practitioner as well. I got to talk basically with people about creating healthy behavior change, which is something that I'm really passionate about in the healthcare space is like, how did you go out and do it? Because we've got all this healthcare research that sits there, but it's all really quite theoretical. And actually having having a conversation with someone about their lived experience, about how they tackled a challenge, which is basically what an injury or an illness is. It's a massive challenge that someone's going through and talking to them about the practical stuff that they used in the moment and how they felt just gave me a real sense of someone's lived experience. And it wasn't, it wasn't always about an illness or an injury. Sometimes it was, but the skills that they were sharing with me were really translatable. So I could put them into practice. And I've actually um, I've actually created a couple of workshops around facilitating behavior change in our patients off the back of the conversations that I had and uncomfortable is okay. And also part of healthcare is asking really good questions as well. And sitting down and recording 295 episodes of a podcast kind of sharpens your ability to ask questions. So it was beneficial for me in that way in terms, of, in terms of my clinical practice as well. But it didn't feel like the right podcast for me with where I'm at at the moment. Like one of the cool things about podcasts is I learn a lot from conversation with people I obviously need to go out and read kind of academic papers and things in the healthcare space as well. So I have to do that too. But having a conversation, being able to be curious, scratches my own itch and allows me to learn. And so this podcast here, The Art of Healthcare, is probably a topic that's been brewing in the back of my mind for the last couple of years. Healthcare is at an interesting point, I think, at the moment. In that, what we're seeing is, other than other than the current pandemic and the current climate, if we kind of put that on a put that on a shelf, although that even ties into what I'm talking about a little bit, is that most of the health challenges that we're facing as societies at the moment aren't the same health challenges that we were facing 50 to 100 years ago. So things like polio and smallpox and people dying from infections. They were things that needed some real clinical skills to solve. So they needed some vaccines. They needed some surgeries. They needed a discrete intervention performed. And then usually that person wouldn't die, which is great. Um, In healthcare, we've got really good, for the most part, at stopping people dying. But even though we've stopped people dying, a lot of people live with chronic health conditions now. And that's the that's the real health challenge that we're facing as society at the moment is these these chronic health problems, heart problems, diabetes, obesity. the list goes on, all of which are, are influenceable by how we live our lives and the health choices that we make. So I think as as clinicians and as practitioners, that's one of the areas that we really need to be focusing on is okay, not only how do we go in there and cure disease and stop people losing a lo- their life or losing a limb, but how do we facilitate healthy behavior change in our patients so they can live healthier lives without this burden of disease? And I wanted to, I wanted to put something into that space to help people actually practically get better at that human side of healthcare, at the, the art of healthcare for want of a better word. So The the Art of Healthcare was born and it's, it's having conversations with experts in the area, whether they be in the health industry or whether they be sitting outside it, about probably three lenses, is how we can connect better with our patients, how we can show up better for ourselves and our patients, and also how we can, what we believe. So how we understand ourselves and how we understand our patients and their lived experience.
0: And I think that that is, you know, really, really profound work and, you know, realizations on your end, you know, looking at the whole entire picture of somebody's health. And it seems like at least here in the United States, we might be at the very beginning of that, you know, in the United States. And this was something I wanted to circle back around on earlier, you know, we are by and large, you know, a private Healthcare country where you know we don't have a very robust system of public health care. And it does seem like from the conversations I've had recently that there are certain insurance companies that are looking into this from strictly a monetary perspective. But I think though it does tie back to this stuff works, you know, people person having these skills and developing this art of healthcare. You know, I think the insurance companies have started to take notice, at least here in the United States, of saying, like, "Hey, if we can solve someone's underlying issues, if we can refer them out to a, you know, mental health therapist, or maybe we can develop, you know, some sort of, you know, healthy habits plan with them throughout their treatment, it's going to help us also reduce costs of our most chronically ill patients." And, you know, in one of the practices that I was talking with um, a friend here in uh, Colorado, they were saying that. Some insurance companies have actually started to do like a reimbursement for them. If they're able to decrease the number of appointments or decrease, you know, certain expensive treatments using other means and using things that don't put this, you know, larger burden on the healthcare industry. If we can address these things sort of early on in their treatment, maybe we can reduce the total cost. But I also think that that's a great thing because it also means that this is a healthier, happier person uh, who's living a more fulfilled life, who's doing the things that they want to be able to get out and do. So I absolutely love that work. And I think that there's another part too, aside from the patient portion that I just love to hear a little bit more about is the clinician side of things. You know, how do you see the state of healthcare as it corresponds to the actual people doing the work like yourself like what what do you see as you know issues or things that you know have sort of been brewing and may have been sort of expedited by the pandemic of the past year
1: probably the the elephant in the room that is starting to get talked about a little bit more in healthcare is actually how healthcare practitioners look after themselves as well because they're the real big thing is burnout in the healthcare space. Most healthcare practitioners work in a system where there's a really high throughput of patients or a real intensity of or, or sorry, real complexity of patients that are that are coming through. It's not someone that just comes in with one thing. It's someone that comes in with a whole lot of comorbid factors. And when you're having to see that some those types of patients back to back to back to back in a really time-bound, resource-bound approach, it's really, really draining. We also tend to get on a little bit of a pathway because everything is so busy, busy, busy that we just go, 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 go and end up on a career progression that is almost the easiest route. That there's a little bit of decision-making in it, but I've talked to a lot of healthcare professionals, doctors, physio- physical therapists, and nurses, who are sort of 10 or ten or 15 years out. And they'll tell me, they'll, they'll say, I stuck my head up one day and just thought, how did I end up here? This isn't what I enjoy doing. And they've kind of, it's almost kind of like a midlife career crisis that they're, that they're having, is that they've just been funneled down the this one route and taken that next opportunity that was in front of them without actually spending too much time to think about what they were doing and and got to a point where they're not loving what they're doing. It wasn't why they got into healthcare in the first place, which feeds back into into burnout, but also operating within just this purely clinical model of healthcare as well, where basically you're, you're giving someone something just from a textbook you don't look to interact with someone and learn about their life and be curious or be creative in your treatment programs, that sucks a little bit of the joy out of healthcare. And we need that stuff. We need to make sure that we're safe and we're, we're doing the right things by our patient and we're not missing anything nasty. But we can be quite, quite creative in terms of the way that we interact with people and the enjoyment that we bring to that space. And the more creative we can be, that we can be the more that we can have a human interaction with someone the more energized most people feel so developing these human skills actually helps to reduce the the load on us as clinicians and and there's still going to be it's not going to take away the way that the system's set up and it's probably not going to take away how busy we are but it's hopefully going to help us understand ourselves a little bit better about what works for us, um, and maybe set some set some boundaries around that, and kind of choose a career pathway that is more aligned with what we value in the world.
0: Yeah, and these discussions are really interesting to me, and the the episodes that you're recording, the guests that you're having on, because it's so multifactorial where you know you can think about the patients and then you think about the clinicians but if the clinicians are looking at the whole picture of someone's health and they're also looking at their own health you know they're going to get better outcomes for themselves and better outcomes for their patients and i think it's a really really powerful thing you know looking at this entire picture of how all of these things tie together i think is is tremendous work and i just love that that you know You know, part of that is, you know, some of the premise of this show, which is uh, absolutely amazing. So speaking of the show and the art of healthcare now, you know, what are, you know, your current strategies that help you stay consistent with recording the episodes while you're juggling, you know, your own work as well as, you know, family life? What are the things that you do that kind of help ground yourself and, you know, make sure that you're getting the episodes out that you want to produce? One thing that I learned with uncomfortable is okay
1: is probably patience. Podcasting is super exciting. I love doing it and it would be great just to kind of sit down and have a chat with people all the time. And even though I love doing it, if I did it all the time, I'd massively burn myself out um, and have no time for no time for my family and no time for other stuff. So, what I've found helpful, especially because I I am a little bit time poor, at the moment, hence 5am wake-ups, is really batching what I'm doing and kind of honing in on, okay, what is what is important for this to, to get this done? So before la- launching, I pre-recorded um, a whole lot of episodes so that I didn't put any pressure on myself. So I think I had eight lined up, ready to go. And I don't do a whole lot of editing on them, which saves me time. Someone said to me when I was starting out podcasting, actually one of the best pieces of advice I got was just have a really good conversation and then you won't need to edit it. So that's what I'm aiming for every time I go into a podcast. So I, I don't do much editing. So having some, having some patience around it, but also I know, batching what I do during the week. So figuring out, okay, what's the important stuff that I need to do this week so what's the important stuff that i need to do from a from an an editing perspective what's the important stuff that i need to do from a promotional perspective for the show as well so i can get it out there to more people and what's the other stuff that i want to be doing kind of around this as well and i do that as as you said i do this around a whole lot of other stuff as well so it's okay i've got an hour here and i've got an hour there and i've I actually set my week up in terms of different themes is, okay, so on Monday, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a podcast edit in this block. In the afternoon, I've got an hour. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to create the content that I, that I pulled out of this episode that I did this morning. Tuesday, I'm going to do a little bit of writing around kind of some blog posts around the podcast. I write a newsletter as well. So that's kind of, That's kind of handy, too, that I can pull some podcast content and put it in there. Another sort of hour block is, okay, I'm running this workshop. I need to go and sell some tickets, so I'll do some promotional work or reach out to some people around that. So it's kind of picking, okay, what's going to move the needle forward for me and having these sort of different themes throughout the week that I can slot those activities into and just making sure that I don't put too many in. It's like, I've only got an hour here. So I can't put 17 things on my list, which previously I would have done, but now I've got a little bit smarter about it.
0: The first piece of advice that you'd shared, I think is tremendously helpful for specifically new podcasters out there. You know, when you're getting going, There's so many individual pieces moving around. And I think that your idea of saying, hey, if you just have great conversations, you're not going to need to edit as much, I think is really, really helpful for people listening to this who might just be starting a show because editing is time consuming. And, you know, while you can certainly outsource some of those things, you know, you might not have the budget to do that immediately until you, you know, start growing and, you know, if you're able to just have a good conversation that doesn't require a lot of editing, you know, that really really can, you know, expedite the time it takes to, you know, put out an episode. I also love this idea of just piecing out the work into smaller bite-sized pieces. I had heard a quote once from uh, Barack Obama about how he was writing his book and somebody asked you know how did you manage to like balance family time with like running a country at the same time and he he basically said you know you just do it a paragraph at a time set a small goal for yourself every day and if you can stick to that small goal it'll build up and flow up into the bigger picture and you know the entirety of, you know, what you're looking to do. So I think that that's tremendous advice, looking at just having great conversations for editing and then setting aside separate time for each and every task that you might need to do related to your show. So really, really love that. And uh, I know too, you do use uh, Castos to host your podcast, I believe, right? I do use Castos to host my podcast, yes. Amazing. And that's something that can also save you time as well to be able to get it out, you know, across, you know, all of the podcast networks all at once.
1: It would is it helpful, Sam, to just kind of talk logistics of what I do when I would be editing.
0: Yeah, I, I would actually I would actually love a little bit of information about that. Like what tools are you using? Yeah,
1: so really
0: basic, really, really simple.
1: So I'll do a I'll record a conversation and then I roll Windows. So I just bring up the video editor. Put it on one and a half speed and go through the conversation. My episodes are probably somewhere between thirty and forty-five minutes, so one and a half speed is twenty to thirty minutes, which is great. Go through, pull out some quotes, um, time marks, some video clips that I can pull from the from the episode as well, um, and just check out: Are there any massive stuff ups that I've done that I might need to edit out? If there's not, then that's fantastic. That's that's awesome. That'll save me some time. So then what I'll do is I'll take the audio file, I'll put it in Audacity. I won't go through and cut out the ums and ahs and things like that because I do my own editing at the moment. I previously had an editor, but that just doesn't really excite me. And I don't think, unless it's a horrendous conversation, I don't think that it's probably going to add a whole heap for the listener. I've pre-recorded an intro, so I'll just bang that at the front. I'll drag the drag my audio file, just shove it on the end, and I've pre-recorded an outro as well, so i just stuff that in there. I'll export it as a WAV file, and then I'll just load it into Orphonic and run it through Orphonic for leveling and a little bit of removal of background noise so I don't have to waste too much time kind of playing with all of those settings as well because that's not my it's not my skill set and it's not my strength and it's not something that I enjoy. So the easier
0: I can make it the better. Amazing. Yeah. And that all goes back to you know the use of your time. It's like, you know, you've clearly defined, which I love, like what you like spending your time on and have built that into your workflow. You know, Audacity is a great tool. You know, we use that here a lot at Castos. And, you know, it's also a personal decision, too, with your editing style. If you do want to remove those ums and ahs, you can, certainly. But, you know, it's not always necessary if you're having just really great conversations without a lot of pauses. And one tool that I've used recently that I find is really helpful is Descript, which just does automatic removal. And it's something that will remove those ums and ahs. You just, like, edit them out and, you know, click backspace. And I would recommend you checking that out if you did see that, you know, Removing those kind of pauses and things like that can, you know, add to your podcast and add to the conversation style, you know, check out Descript, but things like Audacity, you know, the way that you're doing it is a great way to streamline it. And also just, you know, the content that you're putting out sounds great. The conversations you're having are great and you're an experienced podcaster. So I imagine that, you know, your editing style works perfectly for, you know, the content that you're putting out. So love that. So I wanted to segue a little bit into talking about kind of a a big vision for the show. And this is something that we had, you know, touched on a a little bit when we were talking before that you are, you know, in the works of developing sort of a membership aspect of your site. Would you be able to tell me just a little bit around why you've decided to do that, how it maybe relates to the rest of your work and how it relates to the art of healthcare? The big vision for
1: this is to change the way that healthcare practitioners do healthcare here in New Zealand, but hopefully a little bit more globally as well, and, and kind of being, bring the people side of uh, of healthcare to the fore. And that's part of that is the podcast, part of that is some of the, the workshops that I run, part of that is hopefully going to be a membership community for people as well, because listening to podcasts is fantastic. It's awesome, and I love doing it, and people should definitely listen to our podcasts. But actually pulling out practical information from a podcast is at times challenging, because you're always listening to podcasts while you're doing something else, and you'll think, oh, I better remember that so I can put it into practice, and then you don't. And going to a workshop is great, and going to a, a one-day workshop is fantastic, and you learn a whole lot of new skills. But then three weeks later, you you forget them as well. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to start a, a membership community to almost kind of create a continuous continuous learning for people. So one of the things that I'm putting in this membership community is an extended version of the podcast, a video version, and then curating some questions. Based on that episode, so that people can reflect on them and apply them to their own life and apply them to their own patients, just to take that learning experience a little bit deeper and embed these skills for people a little bit more. But also, I wanted it to be a community as opposed to a core, um, a bunch of different courses, because I think that the power of community is is really important. A whole lot of people talking about. Similar ideas um, and sharing experiences and sharing practical tools, but also challenging each other's thinking around certain certain topics is r- a really powerful way to to move the needle forward in terms of how we change more people around kind of thinking these ideas around healthcare. And I guess from a um, from a business perspective as well, a subscription based membership community is is a reasonable tool as well for growing a business that you you get kind of a recurrent revenue stream that's happening there. And having that and being able to kind of project a little bit of cash flow because workshops don't come up all the time. Just sort of knowing hey, I've I've got this I've got this much revenue coming in on a monthly basis. Here are my fixed expenses. Okay, cool. That gives me a little bit of breathing room, or, or a little bit of um, time where I know that I can invest some more money in, in doing something else is is helpful as well. So I'm, I'm very much in the early stages of just setting this up at the moment. I'm running, I'm running a little bit of a pilot with sort of five or ten people at the moment in terms of kind of working out what works well, what isn't going to work well for them, and yeah, just playing playing around and and figuring out what, what goes where.
0: Yeah. And that is, I think something that our audience can learn a lot from specifically when we are looking at membership websites, there's been this tremendous growth in private podcasting. And I think that the reason for that goes back to one of your points and it's about community. If you have a community of listeners and they are tuning in week after week, it's going to be a matter of time until they want more. They want more content. They want other ways to engage with the content that you're putting out. And they're also, because they're all listening, you know that they're like-minded. You know that you have this specific audience. It's going to be ready to take advantage of the tools that you are putting out there. So at Casos, we've really been putting out a lot of content recently about our private podcasting services and showing people just how easy it can be to do things like launch an extended feed of your podcast that's members only that you can, you know, start charging for. You know, it's always amazing to have, you know, free information out there that anybody can take access of, but you know, you're always going to have this subset that just can't get enough and is going to want more. And especially I think relating to what you do with healthcare professionals. If you are a podcast that has sort of a professional network behind it and there are, you know, specific takeaways that could be really useful for them to carry on into what they do in their, you know, day to day work life, launching a sort of membership community is a great way to build in those takeaways. So I. Th- you know, your strategy, I think, is just something that is so tremendously helpful for other people to hear. So you would also mentioned that you launched a pilot program, and I love that idea. I love test- the idea of testing out, you know, what works and what might not work before you take this to the, you know, full sort of production stage of the membership aspect of the site. How did you launch that sort of pilot program? You know, what software are you using are you just you know kind of meeting with people in focus groups? How did you launch that sort of pilot program? I'm using
1: um, some software called Mighty Networks, um, which is a, almost like a social community platform based online. And it was just recommended to me by someone that I know that uses it. And it is there are I think there are a lot of options out there for doing something similar. This one was it was just personal recommendation and I jumped on and it's got a lot of stuff that I like. It's got some stuff that, that may not work that well. And I don't know if that's just because I haven't figured out how to use it properly yet. And it's just somewhere else. But I thought the important thing to do is to get it started and get it going and test, test out the idea and then to change it later, if it's not actually the best, the best thing. Um, But I think, like, for me at the moment, simple and easy is the best. And because this is kind of an off, it was an off-the-shelf product that did most of the stuff that I was hoping that it would do, it was easy just to jump on board and and, and get things going. And so what what I did is I sent an email out to... The people that received my weekly newsletter and I was like hey I'm looking for I'm looking for a few people to come on and just have a play around in here with me at no charge for a month or six weeks and give me some feedback and then we'll kind of go from there and I had a few a few people who were keen so we've been playing in there for the last couple of weeks and trying to figure out what works well and what doesn't and um, it's been as simple as possible.
0: That's a really great takeaway. And the way that you launched that specifically, I think is important. You know, what you had said about, you know, just get started and anticipate that things are going to change. If you can start a membership site that, you know, is an extension of your podcast or an extension of, you know, your business and roll it out, you're going to learn a lot just going through that iterative process of saying, hey, you know, this tool has some things I like. Maybe I'll change it down the road. I created some aspects of you know my podcast whether it be a video podcast or whether it be courses or quizzes that accompany that you know maybe people were taking advantage of them maybe they weren't you know look at the interaction of those individual elements look at the software you're using and also look at the you know scalability for you know hey is this something that i can maintain long term You're going to learn all of those things from launching a sort of pilot program, which is why I I really love that idea, and I think that that's a really great takeaway for our listeners out there who may be interested in, you know, starting a membership site.
1: Yeah, and I think like when you're doing that, even if you don't have an email list, and my email list isn't, isn't massive, there's a few hundred people on it. You know, people in this space, so just hit them up and say, "Hey, I'm testing this out. Do you want to?" jump on board and have a go with it and at the end i'll take you out for lunch and you can tell me what you reckon
0: yeah you know just get started you know lean on people you know ask around see how other people are doing these things there's a lot of great tools out there you know use your network as well i think is uh another really great tip for uh, our listeners out there so this has been an absolutely amazing episode i you know really love hearing about you know what you're doing, you know, within the healthcare space and how you're sharing this messaging with people as well as what you're doing specifically with your podcast and your strategies for growth are just something that is, you know, really, really insightful uh, for me and hopefully for the rest of our listeners out there. So with that, anything that you would like to end on that you'd like to share with our audience of listeners before uh, signing off here?
1: Oh, Sam, you put me on the spot, mate. And I should know, I should know this because I've always put people on the spot at the end of my at the end of my show as well. No, I think from a podcasting perspective, it's keep it it's keep it easy, keep it simple, figure out what you like, go and do it, but don't do it so much that you burn yourself out. There'll be times that you'll be less excited, so figure out what you can do while you're less excited, I guess is a is a good place to end on.
0: Yeah. And I think that that helps achieve balance, you know, figure out what you will still be able to do when you're less excited about recording it, because this is all work and that's going to help you, you know, do all of the things that we mentioned this episode, be able to, you know, determine what you want to outsource, what you want to take on and what you want to spend the most time on within your podcast and the content that you produce. So I know I put you on the spot there, but I think that that was a tremendous takeaway. So I'm glad I did. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Matt. So, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It has been so insightful to chat with you. For anyone interested in learning more about Chris, about healthcare, about the content that he's putting out and the content to come, head over to his website, artofhealthcare.nz. You can also listen to his show, The Art of Healthcare, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. All of this information will be in the show notes. So go ahead and check that out. But Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all of the things that you've shared. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. My pleasure, Sam. Same to you, mate. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.